welcome back to Off Record On Point, the workplace culture podcast with that all-important twist. I'm Julia Linehan, CEO and founder of The Digital Voice. And I'm Casey Long. We'll be touching on some under-discussed and sensitive topics today, so please do check out the episode description for a list of useful resources while you're listening. For today's episode, we're joined by the incredible Sumran Call, client lead at Brand Metrics. Here's a look in at what's coming up. That could be their money. It could be their time. It could be their emotional support. Tell that to the people at the top who, who don't care about other factors, but care about their business. Well, it's good for business. Yeah, 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 yeah. So true. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a tangent right now. Today, we're going to be covering an all-important topic, workplace equality, diversity, and inclusion. We all know this is an important one, but what is the lowdown, Julia? So it's really strange that we decided to call this this whole session the equality emergency. And that, for some people, that might seem like a little bit over dramatic and what we are if nothing dramatic aren't we Casey oh yeah but there's there's good and there's bad points okay and what's gone on within within equality within the workplace so the good news is Pat there's a stat that seems 76 percent of employees value diversity in the in the workplace big positive but then you move down to some negatives only 18 percent of women can say they've considered starting a business versus 29% of men and only 30% of business leaders are women for example more worryingly stats like one in 10 LGBTQ plus people have actually left a job due to an unwelcoming environment and it's also things like one in three people have experienced prejudice in the workplace so there's, there's good And there's bad still. And it's really the bad that we're trying to dissect in this session. And I think it's getting under the hood from people who've experienced it, but also from somebody, Sumran, who is actually there driving real change. So I couldn't be happier to have you, Sumran, join us this discussion. So good to have you here. Welcome, Sumran. Hello. Thanks for having me. I want you to introduce yourself, Simran, and I want you to share a little bit about yourself, your role in, in brand metrics, but also your involvement in media for all. My name's Sim. Basically, nearly 20 years in media industry, across research, strategy, insight, those sorts of roles. Mainly worked at big companies. So I started uh, early on PwC, then I moved to ITV, on to Ofcom, then News UK, the publisher. And then more recently in 2020 during lockdown, I joined the lovely Brand Metrics. So Brand Metrics, completely different, small startup, small but fast growing startup, which is basically, you know, if, if people don't know, a software solution for helping measure like effectiveness of digital advertising. And then in terms of MIFA, so firstly, I'm gonna shall I give a brief intro on MIFA in case people don't really know. Yeah, do. Please do. So MIFA stands for Media for All. Founded in 2017 by um Naren Patel, who um, a lot of people yeah. know is kind of a veteran of the outdoor media world. And I might be paraphrasing the story, but essentially it was, you know, he's at a dinner with other senior industry leaders, and with the exception of one other person, Karen Blackett, it's kind of a room full of white people. And then that kind of, I guess, sowed a seed in the head of, oh, this is odd. I've never really noticed this. And then this was around the time of advertising association figures had come out through studies like All In Census, which was kind of underlining the lack of representation of different groups, minor, you know, minority groups and other groups at senior levels, well, across the industry as a whole, but especially in uh, senior levels. 
Uh, and so that triggered a, oh, I feel like I should do something. The industry has been quite good to me. Uh, he speaks to some of his peers across the industry as well. And just that basically kick-started uh, we should do something. And in the beginning, it was like, where do we start? And they started off with basically doing mentoring. How can we help other people from minority backgrounds thrive, do a bit better in the industry, move up to the higher ranks? So that's 2017. Fast forward to 2023 it's now 870 members wow exploded and then you know people from all sorts of levels all companies just a huge community of basically people from black asian minority uh, ethnic minority backgrounds i didn't realize it actually got to such a such a large extent that's really encouraging in terms of that number we talk about today, everyone's got their day jobs with the exception of Nikki, who's kind of the MIFA employee, but there's coaching, mentoring, jobs boards, uh, research, which is kind of how I got involved. So the way I got involved more and more was uh, there was a survey conducted amongst the members called MIFA. Well, we ended up branding it MIFA Measures and that was my kind of in. So I helped out on that more and more and they just increasingly got a bit more active. That's great. I've got a question for you, and I hope this isn't putting you on the spot. You mentioned just your earlier career in the big boys with PwC and News, especially going back 20 years ago when when you started out. It was a very different picture at those particular companies, if I'm being honest. I know the reputation wasn't great. Has there been any, is it because of that experience that you've done, you've you've really wanted to lean in? Or did you have a good experience and, and or has it, have you seen it change, but it needs to go further? Tell me more. What I felt at the time was it was fine. I didn't feel there was any issues. When I look back today, I'm probably more aware, oh, no, there were issues. Mm. I'll give an example, right? So it's, you know, any there'll be loads of people in this scenario, but especially if you have parents who have come into the country from abroad or whatever, you come in with a mentality, if you're coming into a different space, in order to succeed and do well in society, you basically have to, you know, play the game. Yeah. You have to understand who holds the power here. And in order to do well, keep your head down, do a good job and you'll rise up that way. And so probably what ends up happening is you, I, I did anyway, unconsciously suppress some parts of me and kind of show other parts, which to an extent, everybody does. No one goes into the workspace as them full selves, but it's probably just, you probably did that more than other people and to be honest I, like, I was really lucky so um like I started my career at PwC the backstory to that was my dad was a child accountant I'm doing work I have to do work experience during school and I get work experience at PwC which is like ridiculous so I've done basically nothing to deserve an entry point into like a massive company other than like my dad's my dad so like I'm I've got my own massive like privileges in that way but to your point Julia interesting story I'm going off on tangents here, but it gives a good capture of uh, how things have changed. Yeah. Years and years ago, my dad, early 80s or something, he's an auditor. He walks in the company and the senior members of this company are like, we're not being audited by him. He's an Indian. Oh, my God. Right. Which oh today God. is outrageous. Yeah. yeah, it's outrageous. Was this 20 years ago? This, actually, this would be. No, no, sorry. So this is not true. This is like 40 odd years ago. Oh, my ago. God. To us, that's outrageous. To him back then, it was just accepted. Yeah, that's how it is. 
And so he'd hit a ceiling in his world. And so it's like, well, the natural place for me now to go is to start off my own thing. But fast forward 20, 30 years later, his son gets a, a job in PwC and at the end of that gets offered a job, right? And so that there for you is an example of, on the one hand, how shit things are. And then the other hand, how far we've come, which is amazing. It just takes ages. Once you were in there, was there any barriers or any experiences in particular that you felt like drove you to MIFA or was there anything that made you first want to get involved and start supporting them? So story of MIFA was 2020 lockdown, George Floyd stuff happens, obviously loads of industry topic yeah. discussion, loads and loads. And I think I saw a webinar promoted somewhere about the topic. And the thing that stood out to me was there was four or five people on this panel and they're all like black or brown. And it's one of these things where you don't realize until you see, it, I'm like, oh no, I've never seen that before. Yeah. And so that obviously naturally creates a, what is this group? And then you find out more and then you go into the group and you're like, oh, this is, you're like me. And oh, that's, that was like my experience. And yeah. And then that starts to open your mind up to, oh, have I been like kind of in denial of certain things about how I feel for ages without actually knowing it? You always have to have, see examples in front of you. You have to see that people in whatever, guys are like yourself and I think that's what's been so powerful about the big change in making things have that layer of equality in there it's interesting you said about your dad and we really wanted to know if you had also experienced anything bad in the workplace that had led you to really wanting to lean in and go some change needs to happen I've had good people around me generally as you should good but years ago I was going for a job interview at News UK which I ended up joining, had many happy years there. The headhunter says to me before, uh, this is a second or third stage interview, you're meeting this lady, she's a senior director. Just to give you a heads up, she's very hard to read, a bit prickly, just be warned. So I'm in the interview now, we're having a conversation. She's just staring out the window and it's a white, a white lady, so this is relevant for this bit. She's just not paying attention. Scary. <laughs> and then she abruptly stops me, where are you from? I was like, what? Uh, oh, London. No, no. Where are your parents from? And I'm like, oh, um, and uh, from I India. And then she basically said, um, I'll tell you why. I'm an executive coach and I deal with lots of different people. One of my clients or one or two of them, are they're Indian. And my observation of people from your culture is you're not very good at handling authority. What? And I was a little bit at heart. So her... her question then was look you've got this far you can clearly do the job but I have to understand if you can handle this place culturally do you have the resilience you need to have a certain personality so at the time I I guess I was a little bit caught I saw it as a challenge yeah that's totally caught off guard I gave him a response which was you know examples of that's not true and all this sort of stuff yeah in, a, in an instant she just switched and suddenly, I was a huge fan. I really like you. You're gonna. She basically told, told me in the moment, I'm gonna take you on. And then she was super complimentary. And obviously, I went on to then get the job. You just had to disarm her and answer uncomfortable, inappropriate questions. Was all I guess. So here's the thing, right? So you go for a job interview. So to this day, I'm a little bit like, I don't know if that was a strategy, yeah, or if it was. And it's probably a bit of both. I don't know if it was a strategy to really test me, but it also probably is you hold those views. But I don't think you get away with that strategy in 2023. Yeah. 
that would never have been a question of other people that could have been coming in for the interview, depending on the color of their skin or their background. So it's more like the judgment factor that pushes it over the edge. So here's the thing, though, right? I suppose with my researcher hat on and just a, an understanding of human behavior, there's a logic to her thinking. And, and and everyone carries an inherent bias, whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. So it's this thing of she's bundled me in a group, but then to me as an individual, she was really nice. It's strange, isn't it? Wild. Yeah, I don't know how I look back on it. What initiatives are you, uh, say this is from Mifa, what initiatives are you looking at in 2023, going into 2024? And are there still things and initiatives and training and guidance that you really think need to happen to change and it is bias that's not that's not unconscious bias that's bias bias but there is things that obviously still need to happen what are what's what's the plan what are the big initiatives that are going to shift the dial so MIFA in partnership with campaign magazine are going to be or are launching diversity and inclusion awards oh in november free to enter so i think there's six categories and the idea is basically how do we champion and promote great work great people kind of doing great stuff in this space so that's kind of you know a flagship event and hopefully will represent a kind of symbolic turning point in the industry because obviously the other thing is it's a business world so awards are great they're great for profile reputation talent attraction ego and so on and so on so that's one thing there's coaching for people of color there's mentoring i think there was something like two to three hundred MIFA members got matched up with a mentor within the community. Wow. The most recent advertising association numbers, amongst other things, talked about a high proportion of people from these backgrounds that are looking to leave the industry. So we might come into this later, kind of about talent retention. Like huge, like really, really, like, you know, one in five, uh, you know, Asians, one in three black people, like ridiculously high numbers. So digging into those numbers a bit more, there's various work streams working with the advertising association to try and dig deeper and try and explore the experiences of certain people. So at least from a MIFA point of view, there's three groups we identified as having particularly bad experiences, uh, black women, Muslim women, Sikh women. So there's there's a trend of intersectionality. If you're If you're a woman, your experiences are much worse than a man. If you're black or mis- or brown, it's worse. If you're work, you know the usual. If you're working class, if you're gay, and and so on and so on. So there's a lot of kind of um, initiatives trying to look into that. Firstly, to give people space to kind of connect with people, to vent, to n- know you're not alone. But then also, I guess, how do we um, take learnings back, feed it back to the industry? You briefly touched on the survey that you were driving on behalf of MIFA, me and Camelia from our team were at the AOP Crunch event when we heard your presentation and breaking down all of the different takeaways and key points that came out of that survey. Overall, based on that survey, what would you say the current state of DE&I is at the moment? If you could give it a letter grade, what would it be? D. Oh, Oof. I'll give context. Yeah, do. A to C is a pass, isn't it? Yeah, D's a fail. So to say C or B or whatever would be pass, which would be to say you didn't like it's adequate, but it's not really too generous. But the context here is I would say a few years ago, it would be a, a U. <laughs> 
Is it you? Is it you unclassified? It, you, you is the. It goes you and then N. So you's like you're not even. We're not even going to mark you. <laughs> you guys have both lost me with U's and N's on school grades. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, so I would say D, which is, but the context there is, it's progress. It's better than where we were. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's got a bit better, but it's still shit. And there's a long way to go. I think it's that. It's then we've got to do leveling up. So all the initiatives you're mentioning, you just want a level playing field. You want that up and you want prejudice out. Now, a lot of times I think we've, we've reduced prejudice. It's not so overt. It's possibly there, but it's not so overt like the experience you mentioned in that interview or your dad. But I think there's another, that big push of just saying it should just be a level playing field. I want to take out, from my side, if I look at the digital voice, we're very, very blessed that we have a, a very diverse team. It's very diverse. Yeah. It happens organically. And the, But what it did is I took out all prejudice and all bias and I went for the right people and I took out any other, any other layers. There's nothing else I'm interested in. I'm interested in, can they do the work? Can they do it with a smile on their face? Can they bring joy and energy? And can they bring all that magic that we need? And that, to me, is the most important. And the fact was, I just opened the doors. And I've also shut the door on prejudice and opened the doors on who could come in. It could be from any country, anywhere in the world, because we're remote. So it really did level up. And then you layer on top that confidence. And actually, the more it becomes... It becomes, um, you build on it because the more people that are there of lots of diverse, A, it's, I've got to shout out that it's so amazing. I, the, you have different voices, different perspectives. If everybody at the Digital Voice was ne a nearly 50-year-old white woman from a big, big middle-class background, there'd be no diverse thought. It would, and that's not what we want. We want to bring all those different voices. I don't. I only have my perspective, and I think that's so important. So I think, I, I think that's for me is the most important thing of the leveling up. And I'm proud that you're doing it and so involved in it. Um, and I think that progress is coming. Is there any pro? Is there anything you can? Sorry, that was my long monologue, but I just felt I really needed to get it out. That that mentality that you have. Is if anyway, will you correct me if I'm wrong? It's inherent to you. Those are your values. Yeah. Because mm. we all know it starts from the top, right? Everybody knows it. So, do you believe, or have you seen actually in the industry, people that historically had this attitude, which is they're biased or they're prejudiced or they are, I prefer to stick with people who are get and are like me, do you think they can become like a Julia? without without external forces because they have to for optics do you think inherently people can change i think they way? can change and i'll tell you why Be having a diverse work workforce is better for revenue yeah it will make you more money tell that to the people that at the top who, who don't care about other factors but care about their business well it's good for business yeah 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 so true there's an individual dni report by builtin.com and it's coming up with these are the stats for companies listening out there Diverse companies enjoy two and a half times higher cash flow per employee. Diverse management has been shown to increase um, increase revenue by 19%. And three in four job workers actually prefer diverse companies and co-workers. So just know it's satisfaction. Is also satisfaction equals retention equals money saved equals money gained. You know, let's hit it where it where it matters. Yeah, the bottom line. That's one thing. And the second thing is, I do get annoyed. I feel that we've had tick box 
exercise going on, Simran. And I think that that's so wrong because the wrong people are put in, uh, the, the right people are put in the wrong roles for the wrong reasons and therefore they don't succeed. And you talked about people leaving the industry. That's a big factor actually. And that's what we want to try and avoid. It's still got to be the right person. You can't just tick, bo- you can't box tick and I can't even give them words out. This is a really good point when you talk about talent retention. And I remember it being something that came up in the survey results. So because that positive change is half the battle, we could potentially change senior leadership's minds when we talk about, you know, their bottom line and sales that could be coming in. But how can we as an industry retain diverse talent once they've been brought in? And where does our industry go wrong when those people, like Julia said, they're put in the wrong role or at the wrong time? What advice would your would what advice would you give to anyone that is bringing in diverse talent but then wants to actually nurture them, foster them and keep them in the business there's been a lot more recruitment focus on people from different backgrounds tends to be at a junior level but we start somewhere then in in terms of some of the the approaches people have used uh inclusive jd job descriptions blind screening referral schemes all sorts of things partnering with specialist organizations so there has been effort and then what happens is people come in and then a huge amount of them leave. So the problem is there's focus on people bringing people in. And then when they're in, there's not enough support when they're in the business. That's like the box ticking that Julia's talking about, it feels like. The most recent MIVA survey, we did speak, we did ask people about, you know, have you thought about leaving or have you left the company in the last 12 months? And nearly half said yes. Wow. The main reason was, and this is the bread and butter stuff, I'll move for a higher pay. And so that's just, that is what it is. The second highest was, I didn't feel I belonged, something like 43%, which is like a very abstract feeling-based term, but 43%. And then one in four said work-life balance um, and another one in four said something like just for a different, like for a different industry. Right. To go back on the point about feeling of belonging, when you drill into that more, what you're finding is that a difficulty to feeling that they can be themselves to fully integrate a lack of support in adjusting and adapting to the new environments they're in whether that's skill-based or just navigating how that company works like culturally and so on so i guess it's sort of spinning whatever the findings were of why people leave but so we know why they leave but how do we make them stay then is it that education piece where if everyone from the bottom up is educated and has a bit more awareness, does that decrease that feeling of not belonging or? I mean, there's a whole range of things. So I think the first thing I would say, I'm I'm thinking specifically about younger talent here because that's where there's a major issue. Yeah. Number one is uh, manage expectations. Like I think one thing is be clear before people are joining what the job is, the expectations and what their journey will probably look like right having paths to progression is a big thing and i think what one thing that comes through a lot is people obviously want higher pay but really you want to work in an environment where you feel you're going to learn yeah you're going to grow you're going to feel supported as a person your individual circumstances are going to be understood you're going to be doing work that is appreciated like i, I think these are, these are for me these are quite basic things 
it's just understanding what would you want if you're going into a space you want to feel valued you want to feel respected you want to feel understood not rocket science then no and it doesn't have to be a kind of a linear upper hierarchical like ladder it can be other ways so this is a great example this now with brown metrics i'm doing a podcast about a completely unrelated topic really to our day-to-day i haven't spoke to anyone i'm going to be doing this that i don't even know if they know this will be a good surprise hello anders hello sean <laughs> i don't even feel the need to tell them because you know they'll support you yeah exactly yeah because it's fundamentally just they're just respectful. Watch how, like, the next week they're going, you shouldn't have done that. He got my full approval to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose, sorry, but the tangent is, uh, I'm trying to think what it is in reality. It's, it is creating a, an environment where you feel that I'm going to be respected and trusted and supported. And in return, I'm going to put the work right in for you and I'm going to help the business and I want the place to prosper and I'm part of the unit. Part of the problem is if you only do it as a token, then you're not creating a community and you're not creating more people who see people like themselves or who have the same values. We all there. So that's another factor is make it, don't just do it as a one-off, as a token, make it count. I mean, it's actually counterproductive. So counterproductive because it makes them feel isolated within our, our communities. And because there's already a lack of trust anyway, because the thing is, right? Yeah. These issues have been around way before George Floyd. Like they were, they're all there for everyone to see. Yeah. Right? And everyone knew it. And the way people, certain companies or people operated was always there. So if you are going to now say, yeah, we recognize things need to be better. We really want to improve. The groups are going to be suspicious. People are going to be suspicious and going to be watching closely and yeah that's very true Samran thank you I want to pivot slightly because I want to make sure that we get this question in as we're heading into October it's Black History Month there's two sides of this coin that I want to get your opinion on Samran um obviously there are some companies that it, they can come across insincere in whatever their campaign is for Black History Month. And there are some companies that are terrified to come across as insincere, that they take no action and are almost afraid to acknowledge it. What advice would you give to either of them? The first thing I would say is, why are you doing it? Like, that really, that are you doing it because you internally feel, uh, we want people to feel like, they belong or that this is important to celebrate different groups an acknowledgement that actually these are important so i'll say the uh, the why assuming your why is good and it's not for optics yeah good intentions hopefully then i would say speak to your people like listen to the people in your organization probably you know in the in the example of black history month speak to them to f- just find out how they're feeling what would mean something to them conscious of like not putting the burden on them but as in speaking to them and understanding how they feel about it what, what would mean something to them partnering with expert organizations like if you bothered to put the effort in there are loads of organizations that would guide you this is their bread and butter die to do it to partner up with especially if you're a big organization would kill to work with a big organization i love that if you do want to do something but you're scared of fucking it up just say that. That's great advice. I personally think most people, if you're honest, will appreciate, okay, 
I can respect that. And ultimately, like, will help out to an extent. But just start small. It doesn't matter where you're on your journey. Start somewhere, start small, and just have um, a commitment to do it in the long run. It's not going to go away. Love it. We're going to make sure we put a link into uh, the Digital Voices Black History Month blog, which producer Ren has written and which was done with complete contribution from Akini, Faith and Camellia. And the reason I'm calling it out is because it had heart. It was authentic. It was real. It was from the people that have lived and breathed and, and understand con- cultural nuances and can give a really a lived experience and so what please read our blog that's going to be posted and we'll po- make sure it's with this link because if ever I was going to say it was when I read it it was just beautiful to read and it and it had that one thing which is heart yeah if you're going to do it do it with heart and mean something so I think this is um it's really interesting because I think it's about we wanted to try and encourage companies to genuinely cultivate inclusive culture and they need to focus on a few things to genuinely move the dial what are those things is it is it the education the mentorship is it the well-being is it the action is it the relevance of representatives within their organization being their voice what is it it starts from the top the leadership team have to be actively well actively involved yeah that could be their money it could be their time it could be their emotional support yeah, in any capacity. And then in terms of, to your point you made earlier, Julia, some individuals at a leadership level don't care. They won't care. So then it becomes about how do you frame the necessity or the importance of this uh, in a language that they understand? So it's good for retention or it'll help us attract new audiences. Or it drives revenue. Yeah, the things that they'll actually care about. Before we go into our quick fire round, one more question for you. Thinking ahead, thinking about what's going to be coming up in 2024, what progress would you love to see? Is it retention? Is it more employee networks? Is it senior leadership championing more? What do you think? More of this discussion. Yeah. More industry-wide initiatives. I mean, obvious things, more investment, more um, transparency in and kind of accountability and and public declarations of these are our goals. This is what we're going to do. Um, I this is what I would like to see. Right, when if you're interested in this area, it's generally the converted speaking to the converted. Right, I would like to see more people who have not been involved in the dialogue getting brought in. But this is the key bit. We have to create a space where they feel they can be honest and open about their yeah. reservations because I feel like we've created an atmosphere where people don't say anything they've got these privately held views but they're not stupid enough really to come out and say them but the problem is is that they still have those views yeah. and they still drive their behavior and they still drive their decision making it's just we've created a space where they can't speak about it. Having that uncomfortable conversation. It's a bit like in the world of, uh, you know, for women, there'll be groups of women speaking about how they're disadvantaged. At some point, you're going to have to include men if you really want it to change. I'll tell you what we did, at the, what, not we did, Bloom did, uh, that worked so well, as, for example, on that point. Instead of women talking to women, it was bringing in Bloom Exchange where there were the male voices, actually male mentors. Yeah, I got involved. It was amazing for me. Oh, great. 
you want to learn from other people. You want to learn from that experience. And, and I feel, again, very lucky that within the digital voice, it's actually the team around me that have allowed me to understand and ask those questions. I still feel, and you're absolutely right, I feel a little bit uncomfortable about getting it wrong because I can't possibly understand the cultural nuances or I don't want to get it wrong um, in any aspect of it because of course from my side I haven't lived it and I don't know and I don't want to I don't want to fuck up and say the wrong thing and up and and it because it has massive implications very quickly but do you not feel like if someone has a sincerity in where they're coming from you can feel it definitely that makes all the difference doesn't it and just be open to asking I think it's not just feeling it I've learned a lot from just asking what's okay um what's a what what's the right thing what do you feel and how do you feel when I get when something isn't said in a way that you like that you want yeah correct me again I'm going into nervous mode because I don't want to say the wrong thing but I'm going to say and hopefully it won't be the wrong thing but Ren our producer our podcast producer is listening it's the first experience I've had of working with somebody who's requested they them and the number of times we I still get it wrong and obviously we went back to Ren and said when we get it wrong, is it okay? And it's and Ren said, yes, as long as you rectify it and make those changes. But it's equally about them providing a bit more. If, they, if they're the only they, them, uh, it's could we all put our pronouns, which is something, by the way, Ren, I think we should do. So I think um, just things like that, little steps. But it's a little bit, yeah, having yeah. said that, it's a bit of a learning curve for me, I'll be honest, because I'm like, I don't yeah. know why I needed to put she, she, her on my pronoun, because I'm Julia. I'm a woman. And that's that's it. But I understand yeah, it's not about brilliant. me. It's about making them feel inclusive that we're all behind it and not sticking out. That's a great conversation. Tab. Hopefully I didn't. Yeah, hopefully I got it right. Ren's nodding, giving me a heart sign. I get it right. But I respect <laughs> that. Look, but look, yeah, but look what it means to Ren there. Um, yeah, I don't know if this, I'm making this saying up, but everyone wants change until they have to change themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so true. That's so true. I'm going to do your so true. So true. I'm going to ask one final question before I hit you with a quick fire round, which, by the way, to, to our listeners, Simran's given me carte blanche to add in a few cheeky curveballs, so I'm going to do that. But um, we've got to ask the big one. What? What progress do you want to see in 2024? We started on a D. We're on a D. We're, we're failing. Yikes. We've done a bit better than the U. We, where, where's the letter at the end of 2024? And what's the progress needed? I think a realistic but stretchable goal. C plus. Okay. More of the same, but an acceleration. If I walked into a crazy, hard, near impossible test and walked out with a C plus, I don't know about you guys, but I'd feel like, that's all right. We're going to keep getting so better. That's getting okay. Better. So that feels very optimistic. <laughs> Love that. Perfect. Simran, we are ready. Decided that the theme today would be five of five. So five for five. It's quick fire. Say the first thing that comes into your head. Here we go. Oh, brace yourself. Whew. All right. Simran, call out companies that you rate as great at DE&I. What are the A's? I can't think of a, a single company doing everything brilliant. I, there might be some out there, but I'll pick out a few that I, I love how this is like super quick fire, isn't it? Um, two, two that I'm thinking of though, just because they've come in my head recently. One is immediate media because their leadership team are backing what they're trying to do. And another one where I mentioned them earlier is News UK. Specifically, there's an apprenticeship scheme which is going out and giving opportunities to, you know, 
predictable groups like working class, more women, people from more diverse backgrounds, but they're doing it at scale, kind of 40 placements, 50 placements. They're bringing them in, they're training them, they're integrating into the business. So that's a good example of a company who um, is shit on a lot of fronts, but is starting somewhere, is backing it. Um, and so they're probably two examples. There'll be loads of others, I'm sure. I love that. I call those perfect calling out. So here you go. Curveball, round the other way. Who's getting it wrong? Oh, loads. Probably everyone because it's a societal issue. But one thing I'll say from the me, me for measures part work we've done in the past, we talked about tokenism. There was a sense that creative agencies and consultancies are basically quite often playing the optics game. Um, these are massive generalizations, obviously. But I came from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, quick fire. That's that's what came in my head anyway. But I think any anyone that's doing it um, for optics and there's not sincerity. Shame on you. Yeah. You are now a superhero. Simran, what's your superhero superpower? This sounds so wanky, but I want to be able to understand the driving force of every individual I speak to. Ooh. Understand the driving force. I'm ready for like lightning or flying or Thor's hammer. Nah. And then some just comes out with that right in the feels. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, what are yours? What are yours? But I'm really nosy. So I want to be a fly on a wall at every wall. And I want to be able to go in and have a house tour because we do cribs on the digital voice. And I'm, I've realized I'm really, really nosy. So I want to be able to look inside anyone's house at any time. <laughs> You've just realised that you're nosy. Oh, fine. I've known for a long time. Julia, maybe ours is the same. I'm just coming from the inside. You're watching from the outside. True, true. So true. Casey, what's your superpower? Um, I think it's Florida sunshine, by the way. I was literally just going to say, if I could be like a star or a sun or like just have like a bright white light that makes people feel good, that would be a really good superpower. That's why I love working with Casey. It's like she lights up a room and life in every way. That's not me just saying it. Right. I'm going back to a serious question because I'm flipping between them. I want you to describe the three top must-dos companies can put in place to have a positive DE&I experience. Investment from leadership. I don't mean like in the most holistic sense. I would say integrate DE&I into your business commercial strategy goals so don't have it as a standalone love it and feedback yeah engaging with your with your peers perfect you've nailed it those are those right curveball call it out cull companies that do what insincere actions okay or i mean the other one is tolerate uh tolerate shit treatment of people i actually thought you might call that one out because it's far worse when people stand by the bylines letting things slide letting things go and not calling out so um either one of those i'm gonna we're just see it's your quick fire round but it suddenly becomes ours very very quickly we like to stick our oar in um <laughs> if you could do anything what would you be if you could if you could do anything and you're gonna your new role is something to do with football development of young people from disadvantaged backgrounds and get really well paid for it Shout out to Badu, who do use sports uh, and are widely supported in East London. And they do a lot of great stuff out there. What are they called? What are they called? Badu. B-A-D-U. Badu Sports. And by the way, they are, they are not sponsored by Casey Long. <laughs> they're, not, they're not, but I, I know them and they're 
They're fabulous. They do good stuff. I've just thought of another random question I'm going to ask you. Go on. You're saying, well, I'm not a woman, so I've never walked a day in a, in a woman's shoes. If you could be a woman and you could put on a pair of size four, my feet, uh, what would you think it would feel oh. like? Oh, good question. I think it would feel... That is a good question. I think I'd have a much deeper sense of vulnerability in all spaces I walk into. That checks out. <laughs> what about what about the other way if you could be men i really want to do mansplaining i i seriously i just you know that that way they sit i just think and actually go the man spreading yeah. where it's just like you're on the tube and you got three you got three seats taken up for anyone who's listening and not watching i'm actually now i'm actually sat and i'm really enjoying it <laughs> yeah do you feel powerful <laughs> yeah casey casey i want to know you what about you i don't know I don't think if I, I don't think I would know what to do with all the testosterone. Like I think I would want to go and like work out or do something. Beat people up. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like I would just go the total opposite to what I am as a girl, which is compassionate and soft generally. And I would go the full opposite and like rage and just be ready to fight. This someone. is we've gone off on such a tangent there. This is, <laughs> this is such a tangent right now. That was now. Your five for five. Thank you so much for that, Simran. Yeah. I'm gonna just I'm gonna try and if I can, because there's been so much in this content to put some nuggets of takeaways or things to just look out for or or try and be. One is authentic honesty. Creating as well a really positive portrayal within your company of showing what works and why it works and actually being able to display that you, you mean what you say. Investment from leadership in both the time and the money to be spent into, into DE&I activations, etc. Integrating within your goals. I loved that, Simran. I think it is making sure it's part of your business, making it accountable transparent and most of all backing industry initiatives like MIFA that are doing huge things to support and and just even the simple steps of aligning and understanding that there are these initiatives out there and giving it its full backing from my side those have been massive takeaways and I'm so grateful for you coming on board today and talking through those Thank you so much for joining us today, Simran. That is all for this episode of Off Record On Point. But of course, the conversation on diversity, equality, and inclusion goes much, much further than this podcast. So don't forget to check out the, our description for some further reading and resources. Thank you, Thank you, Simran. Edit me well. Thank you so much, Simran. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Off Record On Point. Next time, we'll be catching up with the wonderful Susanna Chaplin, CEO and founder of ESB Connect. We're going to be talking about all things scary about AI and also what's to love about it. But until then, I'm Julia Linehan. And I'm Casey Long. Enjoyed the conversation? Reach out and let us know by rating and reviewing on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform mind spotify and be sure to follow to never miss an episode you can of course always stay connected with us at www.thedigitalvoice.co.uk and across all our social platforms simply look out for the digital voice join us again next time for another undercover industry deep dive all off record and always on point point.